Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 34 of the Bible in 90 Days. We're in 2 Chronicles 24 through 36, and today will bring us to the end of the Chronicles. We start in chapter 24, and 24 makes a critical note in the first few lines. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years of Jehoiada the priest. Jehoiada chose two wives for him, and he had sons and daughters. The chapter then proceeds to record the young king's work to restore the temple, which had been vandalized by Athaliah's sons. This part of the story is told well in first excuse me, in 2 Kings chapter 12. The second half of the chapter, however, records a tragic turn. And I quote, After the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king, and he listened to them. They abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and worshipped Asherah poles and idols. Jehoiada's son, Zechariah, challenged Joash's wicked course and was stoned to death. His dying words, May the Lord see this and call you to account. In an apparent answer to this prayer for justice, we find this account in the chapter. And I quote, At the turn of the year, the army of Aram marched against Joash. It invaded Judah and Jerusalem and killed all the leaders of the people. Joash is left severely wounded and then is assassinated in his bed. Chapter 25 finds Amaziah, son of Joash, taking the throne. One of the fascinating points in the chapter is that of Amaziah hiring soldiers from Israel to fight for Judah and then being told by a prophet, don't go to war with them. For the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the people of Ephraim. Unfortunately, the Israelite troops, after being sent away, raided towns belonging to Judah on their way home, killing 3,000 people and taking lots of plunder. Sometime later, Amaziah, king of Judah, incited a civil war that proved devastating to his kingdom. This story is also found in 2 Kings chapter 14. Chapter 26 finds Uzziah ascending the throne of his father, Amaziah, at the age of 16. He reigned 52 years doing right. He's referred to as Azariah in 2 Kings 15. And I'm quoting a bit here. Uzziah had a well-trained army. It was over 300,000 men. They were ready to go out by divisions according to their numbers. This army was well-equipped, including some weapon advancements for defending Jerusalem. And I'm quoting, Devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. Tragically, after Uzziah, and I'm quoting, after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. While 2 Kings mentions that Uzziah had leprosy, it does not mention the cause. However, here in 2 Chronicles, the cause is given. And it's quite simply this. The priests confronted the king for entering the temple to offer incense. And the king is angered at their rebuke 
and while in a rage, becomes leprous. Thus, Isaiah lived in a separate house and was banned from the temple for the rest of his life. Jotham, and I'm quoting, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. Upon his death, Jotham officially succeeded his father as king. Chapter 27 reports that Jotham reigned for 16 years doing right, but the people continued to behave corruptly. During his reign, he built towns, forts, and towers in the wooded areas, as well as conquered the Ammonites and received tribute. Upon his death, Ahaz, his son, succeeded him, reigning 16 years. In chapter 28, we find that Ahaz, and I quote briefly, followed the ways of the kings of Israel and also made idols for worshiping the Baals. The Arameans attacked Judah during his reign, as is recounted in 2 Kings 16. Israel also attacked Judah, inflicting heavy casualties and taking captives. However, the Israelites are quickly rebuked by God through Oded, who's a prophet, returning the captives to Jericho. 2 Kings 16 records Ahaz's attempt at making a treaty with Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria, but 2 Chronicles observes that Tiglath-Pileser gave him trouble instead of help. And then I quote here again, In his time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. Important additional details regarding Ahaz, a turn to pagan worship, are found in 2 Kings chapter 16. Hezekiah follows his father as king. In chapter 29, Hezekiah makes the throne, excuse me, takes the throne and begins to undo what his father had done, bringing important reforms, doing what was right. He reigned 29 years. The chapter records that Hezekiah was a courageous leader working to restore the temple and its services. And I'm quoting now, the priests went into the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. They brought out to the courtyard of the Lord's temple everything unclean that they found in the temple of the Lord. The Levites took it and carried it out to the Kidron Valley. This process of cleansing took 16 days. When it was completed, Hezekiah called the people to worship at the temple. And the priests offered sacrifices and the Levites praised God with music. Then Hezekiah said, and I'm quoting, You have now dedicated yourselves to the Lord. Come and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the temple of the Lord. So the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings, and all whose hearts were willing brought burnt offerings. Chapter 30 records the people celebrating the Passover, though delayed by a month. And I'm quoting now, because not enough priests had consecrated themselves and the people had not assembled to Jerusalem. Couriers are sent throughout Israel and Judah, urging the people to gather for the Passover, instead of being stiff-necked as their ancestors had been. A very large crowd assembled in response to the invitation and began to celebrate the festival of unleavened bread in the second month, as well as the Passover on the 14th day of that second month. The chapter makes a fascinating note, and I'm quoting, Although most of the many people who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not purified themselves, yet they ate the Passover, contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the Lord, who is good, pardon everyone who sets their heart on seeking God, 
the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even if they are not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. The celebration was so powerful that, and I quote again, the whole assembly then agreed to celebrate the festival seven more days. So for another seven days, they celebrated joyfully. The result, and I'm quoting again, there was great joy in Jerusalem, for since the days of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Chapter 31 records that, and I quote yet again, when all this had ended, the Israelites who were there went out to the towns of Judah, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. They destroyed the high places and the altars throughout Judah and Benjamin and in Ephraim and Manasseh. After they had destroyed all of them, the Israelites returned to their own towns and to their own property. The rest of the chapter reports that Hezekiah worked to restore the priests and Levites to their respective roles, ensuring as well that the Levites had generous support from the people so they could focus on their work of ministry. As a result, the priests and Levites had plenty to eat and much left over. Additional assignments are made in the chapter as well in an effort to fully restore the worship of God. Chapter 32 records Sennacherib's invasion of Judah, similar in detail uh, to 2 Kings 18 and 19. Hezekiah became ill, and that's also recorded here in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. The details of this are found in 2 Kings chapter 20. Tragically, however, after his recovery, which is detailed in 2 Kings 20, and I'm quoting now, Hezekiah's heart was proud and he did not respond to the kindness shown him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and on Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart, as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore, the Lord's wrath did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. The rest of the chapter records some of Hezekiah's great wealth and achievements, including storage facilities, livestock enclosures, as well as channeling the Gihon Spring down to the west side of the city of David. And that last phrase is a quote. The chapter also references the visit from the Babylonians, which is recorded back in 2 Kings as well. Upon his death, his son Manasseh succeeded him. Chapter 33 records Manasseh's wicked reign of 55 years. Similar details can be found in 2 Kings chapter 21. However, there are some unique details here. And now I quote, The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. So the Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon. In his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. The chapter also records Manasseh's construction efforts as well as steps he took in reform after returning to God. After his death, his son Ammon took the throne, reigning only two years, doing evil like his father, and refusing to humble himself. 
He is assassinated, and Josiah, his son, takes the throne. Chapter 34 reports that Josiah began to reign when he was just eight years old, doing right, reigning for a total of 31 years. Young Josiah's reign is one of the most courageous in the history of all the kings of either Israel or Judah, and comparable even to the reign of David. The details here are essentially a repeat of 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23. Chapter 35 records Josiah leading the people in the celebration of the Passover. The details are quite similar to those recorded in 2 Kings chapter 23. Josiah died of an arrow wound sustained in a battle against Pharaoh Necho, who actually had no interest in fighting with Judah. In fact, and this is fascinating, Pharaoh's message to Josiah not to face off in battle, the text says, was at God's command. So apparently, God was trying to deter Josiah from rushing into battle, even using a message sent by or through the Pharaoh of Egypt. Chapter 36 reports that Jehoahaz, son of Josiah, was made king in his place. He reigned three months, but was dethroned and taken captive by the king of Egypt, who imposed a heavy tax and placed Eliakim on the throne, carrying Jehoahaz back to Egypt. Most of the chapter parallels the record found in 2 Kings chapters 24 and 25, including additional details. The one notable passage is this, and I quote, The Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again, because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people, and there was no remedy. So I didn't get into details here in my highlights from Second Chronicles, but 2 Kings, as well as 2 Chronicles, record that the final days of the kingdom of Judah found the Babylonians taking the people and the royal family of Judah captive. And so you may want to review the 2 Kings uh, narrative highlights so that you can kind of get those details. But that's what the text is referring to, that last text, verse 16, that I quoted, that there was no remedy God had tried everything, and finally, there was nothing else he could do, and so the Babylonians took them captive. That's all for today, and that, in fact, is the end as well of Second Chronicles.